This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. Dramas of the Court. We present the dramatic story of our court, where daily the unbiased administration of justice is dealt to rich and poor alike. These dramatizations in fictionized form are typical of the human interest dramas that daily crowd our court. Tonight, the trial of Harold Warren. Gentlemen of the jury, the administration of good government is based upon a sound judicial system. In considering the case before you, weigh carefully the evidence and be convinced beyond all reasonable doubt of the guilt or innocence of the accused before delivering your verdict. The Crown versus Harold Warren. Cherry Harper was my half-sister. We'd always been friendly without taking a great deal of interest in each other's lives. For I'd lost touch with her after father's death. She moved into a city flat. In one night, she paid my wife Janet and I a surprise visit. She told us she was going to be married to a Harold Warren. We weren't invited to the registry wedding. Even the witnesses were strangers. Janet was quite upset. And I was puzzled. However, it was her life, and she appeared happy. And one day, about six months later, Janet came rushing into my office. She was terribly excited. Jim, have you seen the clarion? No, what's happened? On the front page, Cherry. She's... Jimmy, she's dead. What are you talking about? Here, give me that paper. Oh, Jim, I'm sorry. What can have happened? Young... Wife found dead. Poisoning suspected. Mrs. Cherry Warren, age 20, was found to death. Come on, Janet. We're going down to their flat. Yes, Jim. Oh, just a minute. Perhaps the stop press has... Oh, yes. Yes, there is something. Harold Warren, age 35, alleged by police to have poisoned his wife. He was charged with... Murder. Months later, Harold Warren, my brother-in-law, faced his trial for the murder of Cherry. I'd come to know him pretty well in that month. He was a big man, handsome, fleshy, cheerful, and almost pathetic in his denials of guilt. The inquest, he'd wept openly. But I didn't like him. There was something about him I didn't find wholesome. The case against him seemed strong. Crown prosecutor was a clever man. Patient. In your wife's body, Warren, was found a great deal of antimony. Now, antimony is a deadly poison with certain peculiar properties. One is that it kills life and yet preserves the flesh intact. Now, was that antimony yours? Uh, yes. When did you get it? 
I forget, a long time ago. How long ago? Years. I, I bought it from a chemist. And who was the chemist? I forget it. It was years ago. You seem to have a very convenient memory. Tell me, why did you buy it? I used to experiment. Chemistry was a hobby. I see. Did your wife know you had it? I think so. It was in a cupboard. It wasn't hidden away. Antimony is colorless and pretty well tasted. Your wife consumed it in a great deal of brandy. Your wife was fond of brandy? She, uh, yes. She drank a great deal of it? Yes. Tell me, are you yourself a drinker? I never touch it. But you didn't object to your wife drinking? Well, I, I didn't like it. A search of the flat revealed no empty spirit bottles of any kind. Isn't that um, rather unusual? I'd taken a lot away the night before. Where to? I, well, I took them to a park nearby. Silence. Silence in the court. <clears throat> and you uh, <clears throat> took the bottles to a park uh, regularly? I was in love with my wife. She drank. I couldn't stop her. I wanted to keep it a secret. I was ashamed. I, I loved her. I loved her. And so it went on and on. The Crown Prosecutor was very patient. The neighbors had sworn that Cherry never drank, that she was always cheerful, happy. It was proved that Harold Warren was nearly bankrupt at the time of Cherry's death. All that day, the Crown went over and over the evidence, probing, checking. That night at home, I felt weary and sick. Drink. A brandy drinker. I don't believe it. I just don't believe it, Jan. Jim, please. Nobody believes it. Nobody could believe it. Jim, darling. I'm sorry, Jan. It's been a long day. Look, let's face this thing honestly, Jan. It amounts to this. Either Harold Warren is a murderer of the most fiendish kind, or else... Or else Cherry committed suicide. There's no chance of accident. Not with brandy saturated with antimony. Darling, what do you think of Warren? Well, I want to be honest, Jim. I know how you feel. But I like him. Like him? Oh, I know you loathe him, Jim. Most men would. But there's a peculiar fascination about him. Go on. As if he were... <laughs> I was almost going to say... Well, he's my idea of a bluebeard. A bluebeard? Well, well that's a thought, I must say. Association of ideas, darling. Yes, I suppose so. But sitting there in the court this morning, he fascinated me. He was so fine and handsome and... and honest-looking. Yet there was something wrong somewhere. I think I know what you mean. I felt something of that, too. The Crown Prosecutor, he feels it. He's a clever lawyer, darling. I know. He's fighting like a tiger to trap Warren. But it's all so... so circumstantial, so... so secret. As if Harold Warren had drawn a heavy veil over all that ever happened in that flat... He's a devil, Jim. I know it. He's bad. I'm going to bed. There's tomorrow yet, and my evidence. And I'll fight with everything I have. Cherry Warren was your half-sister? Yes. 
When did you last see your sister alive? A week before her wedding. She came to my house one evening. It was a surprise visit. Cherry and I saw each other very seldom. She looked beautiful that night. You look wonderfully well, Jimmy. Married life must suit you. Thanks, I think so too. Now sit down and tell me all the news. Drink? No, thanks. I never touch it, silly. Jimmy, I'm going to be married. Why, Cherry, that's wonderful. Well, no wonder you look so radiant. Do I? Simply terrific. I couldn't make it out. I might have guessed. Or taken a look at my left hand. Jimmy, I'm so happy. You look it. Here, let me give you a great big brotherly kiss. There. I'm glad, Cherry. Really glad. Oh, I know we've never been very close to each other. I know. But I'm very fond of you. You're a great little kid. I wish you all the very best in the world. Thanks, Jimmy. Then who's the lucky man? Harold. Harold Warren. Do I know him? I don't think so. I haven't known him, well, very long. You'll like him, Jimmy. He's the finest man I know. He's the luckiest. Well, you must come and see us together often. He's so kind and good and, and tender. Oh, Jimmy. I've never been in love before. I never knew the world could be such a, a wonderful place. Well, you have got it bad. <laughs> come on, come and tell Janet the good news. Oh, Jimmy, what, what I think of it, father's money left in our names. Can we halve it now, by agreement? Why, uh, yes, I suppose so. Of course. But I... Oh, thanks, Jimmy. I, I knew you'd say yes. Oh, Jimmy, it's grand to be alive. Just to go on being happy. It was grand to be alive. Then... <clears throat> I, I'm sorry. I, I know this is very upsetting. But what did you think of your sister's sudden demand to have the money put under separate accounts? I was very much surprised. But then, of course, she was entitled to half of this 12000 that your father had left. Oh, yes, it wasn't that. It was the peculiar way she put it. As if she'd been screwing up her courage to say it. As if somebody had prompted... I object your sustain. Witness will refrain from speculation. Then, uh, then I shall put it in another way. Tell me, had you and your sister come to any previous agreement about that money? Yes, we had agreed never to touch that money, ever. The interest from it was sufficient for our needs. Mr. Harper, have you ever known your sister to drink? No, my sister did not drink. Do you think your sister committed suicide? No, I can never believe that. Then, ruling out the possibility of accident, it seems... I object. Witness should not be led to draw conclusions. As you wish. Your witness. Thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Harper, you didn't see your sister very often. No. So during the years since your father's death, you knew very little about her. Well, yes. She could easily have been living any kind of life, and you wouldn't have known. I suppose not. She could have been, say, a heavy gambler. Even a drunkard. No. When she came to your home that night, you offered her a drink? Yes, but it was only a gesture. Only polite. But you did offer her a drink? Yes. Thank you. You say your sister and you had agreed never to touch your father's legacy. That was a written agreement. Well, no. We didn't need it. I see, merely a verbal one. Yes, but that doesn't mean... In fact, there may not have been that agreement at all. That isn't true. We didn't Thank need... Thank you, Your Honor. That's all. Uh, <laughs> yes, that was all. So little to go on.
All of it's circumstantial. All I had was that strange, horrible feeling about Warren as he sat half smiling in the dock. That and the memory of the night I saw Cherry. Crown prosecutor made his summing up. Throughout the speech, I never took my eyes off Warren. He sat there quite impassive. Only once did he show any emotion other than that secretive smile. Gave a sudden angry flicker of his eyes as the crown prosecutor described him as an actor. A first-class actor. Something, I couldn't tell what it was, had hit home. The jury retired. Hour after hour went by. I went home and Janet and I drank coffee and waited. What time is it? Midnight. Just after. You've been out a long time. Yes. Poisoning. I don't envy them, Jim. Oh, I don't envy them either. And Warren in his cell, waiting. Yes. Go to bed, darling. They may be out all night. I couldn't sleep. I can't forget that last night she came here. It haunts me. I've never been in love before. I never knew the world could be such a, such a wonderful place. Oh, Jim. Hello? Yes. I see. No, nothing. Not guilty. Oh, darling. I don't believe it, Jan. Warren's guilty, all right. And even if it takes me a lifetime, I'll prove it. Part two of the trial of Harold Warren begins in just a moment. But first, your announcer. We resume the trial of Harold Warren. Next morning, I went to see Inspector Morris who'd been in charge of the investigations against Harold Warren. He received me cordially, but could do little to help. He had a long talk. And there it is, Mr. Harper. Poison cases are always tricky. Never be surprised at a jury's verdict in a poison case. I still don't believe, Inspector Morris, that my sister committed suicide. I can't. The court declared Warren not guilty. But if you find out anything, Mr. Harper, we'll give you every support. It was a start. Inspector Morris was uncertain and bound to the verdict not guilty. I wasn't. I first checked the fact that Cherry and Warren had been deer-struck me. Had Warren been married at any time before? The Registrar-General's office started to say. Yes, here we are, sir. I think this may be what you want. A marriage record? Uh, that's right, sir. Uh, four years ago, Harold Warren and Elsie Neal uh, in Stanton, sir. Stanton? Where's that? Oh, yes. Small town out west, uh, about 20 miles from Bankside. I see. Thank you. And now, can I have a copy of that certificate? It will help me in a certain investigation I'm making. I was excited. I thought the matter over in a nearby coffee inn and then went back to the registrar's office. But there was no further record of Elsie Neal. No death certificate. No divorce proceedings. Either Harold Warren's first wife was still alive and he was a bigamist, or else I went back to Inspector Mott. Yes, yes. Looks like you've unearthed something after all. I think I have. 
Well, I'll hold him on a bigamy charge to start with. Are you still interested in following this up? I certainly am. I have a little matter of business to attend to that's taking me straight to Stanton. You uh, want a room, mister? Uh, yes, please. Well, I've got a thing, room empty at the back. Will that do you? Oh, that'll do. Uh, Hopper's my name, James Hopper. Oh, mine's Ted Jordan. I'm pleased to meet you. Staying long? Oh, I don't know. I'm looking for a girl. <laughs> oh, now you're talking. <laughs> All the same, you young fellows, I know you. What's her name? Elsie. Elsie Neal. Or Warren. Or Warren? Yeah. Marriage, you mean? Yes. Mm, well, that's different. You the police? No, I'm from the Goliath trustee. Now, the Warrens have been left a lot of money. I'm looking for them. Uh, you don't say. Oh, now I know who you mean. Elsie and Harry Warren. <laughs> well, some people have all the luck. Not that they needed it anyhow. What do you mean? Well, she had plenty. Nice little kid. Very sick, though. Came out here to get some sun into her bones. And she looked like plenty of money to me. I see. You remember her husband? Yeah, nice fella. It wasn't here long. Lived round in Higson Street. She'd only been here a couple of weeks, and they was married right off. Hmm, quite a man. Nice fella. Bit of an actor, too. Actor? Yeah, he was in a couple of the local shows they had. Not bad either, he wasn't. Actor? I see. And then they left? Oh, well, she did. Quit him one night and left him broken-hearted. Poor fella went after her, though. Oh, I never did hear how he got on. Uh, yes. Well, um, I have a photograph of him here. Is this the man, Mr. Jordan? Uh, no, no, that ain't him. It isn't? No, sir, that ain't the bloke I knew. Oh. I'm apparently I'm on the wrong track after all. You sure it isn't him? Oh, I'm positive. That I knew had a moustache and a lot more hair. I see. Tell me, uh, did this man Warren that you knew run the... Uh, Local concerts himself? Oh, plays they was, not concerts. <laughs> not bad either. No, the uh, the rector ran them, sir. Mr. Hills ran at the rectory in Smith Street. Nice fella, but uh, queer, though. Queer? Eyebrow. <laughs> no, too much for us, not our kind. Fond of roses, though. Oh, I think I'll go and see him. Okay, you'll most likely find him in his garden. Sorry I couldn't help you. See you later. I went round to see Mr. Hills. The question of the photograph is a little puzzling. But moustaches can be shaved off. So can hair. Mr. Hills was a tall, scrawny-looking man of 50 odd. He was tending his roses. Now, look. Isn't that a beautiful rose? Talisman. Uh, I have more luck with my roses than with my parishioners, I'm afraid. I've been expecting you. Me? What? You, I take it, are James Harper? Yes, how did you guess? I didn't. I've seen your photograph. As a man, I have two comforts in life. My wife, who is deaf, poor soul, and the city papers. I read everything, even the advertisements. <laughs> I see. Then you know a great deal about Harold Warren. More than most people. The verdict was not guilty, but you are justice still hunting him. An eye for an eye. Primitive, but very human. I think I can help you. Look, I have a photograph here. Do you know this man, sir? Why, yes, of course. Harold Warren. 
A very vivid likeness. And yet I showed it to Mr. Jordan at the commercial. Yes, and, and he didn't recognize it. <laughs> he wouldn't, of course. A good man, but lacking in intelligence. And about this Harold Warren, sir. Ah, an evil creature. Married a girl here named Elsie Neal. I performed the ceremony, unfortunately. A pretty child, not really sinful. Now that, I believe, is the finest rose I've seen this week. Beautiful. He married her for her money and then killed her. You... You know he killed her? Why, of course, just as you know he did. But neither of us has any proof. But, but you must have had suspicion. Which I should have taken to the police, eh? <laughs> no, my friend. Constable Jordan is our innkeeper friend's brother. Sadly literate. Oh, I could do nothing. But, sir... Murder was done. The girl was at rest. I pray for Harold Warren's soul. You are justice. You want his life. They lived at number seven Higson Street. Warren left town a few days after Elsie disappeared. Ah, uh, this rose bush is quite dead, I'm afraid. The day before he left, he put new concrete on the garage floor. urgent telegram to Inspector Morris brought two detectives to Stanton. The next day, we dug up the garage floor. Two days later, Harold Warren was arrested and charged with the murder of Elsie Neal. Warren still denied his guilt. Throughout the preliminary investigations, the only answer he would give to every question was no. The Crown Prosecutor decided that the only way out was to trap him into an admission, and he prepared his case accordingly. I watched Warren as he sat on trial in the dock. He still wore that half-smile, but the Crown Prosecutor was a different man this time. He was ready to pounce. Harold Warren, have you ever lived in a town called Stanton? No, never. Have you ever heard of this town of Stanton? Never. Let me refresh your memory. Stanton lies about 200 miles due west from here, and the nearest large town is Bankside. Trains only run there three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Uh, not on Wednesdays. Not, not on Wednesdays. You're quite correct, but how did you know there is no Wednesday train? I, well, I, 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 I didn't. What did I, you say? I, I just, I, I just why, thought that... Why did you say that? Nothing. I, I, I didn't Why did know. you say there was I... no Wednesday train? Why? Why? <laughs> all right, all right. I was there. I, I knew the place. I see. You lived in Stanton? No. No, I just passed through. I remember now. One Wednesday at Bankside, I tried to catch a train. Uh, that's how I knew. And how long were you in Stanton? It's only uh, two days. Just long enough to marry Elsie Neal? No, no, that isn't true. I've never heard of her. And yet I have here before me a certificate of marriage between you and Elsie Neal. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, I married her. But I didn't kill her. She just cleared out. You, you can't prove Doesn't that Doesn't it appear at all strange, you Warren, that your wife, with whom you had quarreled and who had left you, should still be satisfied to hand over to you her entire fortune? I don't know anything about that. All I know is You made no I... effort to find her? No. The charge against you is the murder of this woman. Are you aware, Warren, 
that the body of Elsie Warren was found buried underneath the garage floor of a house in Stanford? I, I don't know anything about it. I didn't do it. I, I, I didn't do it. I want you to describe Elsie Neal to the court at the time you say she left you. She was... She was beautiful. I was in love with her. I, I loved her. I asked you to describe this woman to the court. know her again if you saw her? Yes. Your Honor, I have here a photograph of this woman. I ask that the clerk of the court hand it to Warren. Yes, Thank you. Now, Warren, you have in your hand a photograph of Elsie Neal, your first wife. Well, go on, look at it, ma'am. Yes. Yes, that's her. You're quite convinced that that is your first wife? Yes. It's a remarkably good photograph, isn't it? That's her. That is the woman you killed one night in Stanton four years ago. No, I didn't. I didn't kill her, I tell you. At this juncture, Your Honor, I wish to remind the court that antimony, as was revealed at the previous trial, has the peculiar and unique property of killing life and yet of preserving the flesh. Now, would you turn the photograph over and read what you see printed on the back, Warren? I hereby declare and testify that this photograph of Elsie Neal was taken. No, no, that photograph was taken yesterday. No. All right, all right, I killed her, I did It was all over. Warren was led shouting from the court. That same afternoon, he wrote his confession. A month later, he was hanged. In a moment, I'll return with further news of these real-life dramas of the courts. But first, your announcer. Court is adjourned until next week. Be listening next week, same time, same station, when we present another real-life story in Dramas of the Court. This feature is a Grace Gibson radio production produced by Reg Johnston.